So here we are. Hi. We have both now seen La La Land. Yes. Okay, so I just want to hear, first off, what you thought of it. So I loved it. I The thing is, I didn't know about it until um, my cousin posted a trailer on Facebook, and I watched it, and I was like, what? What is this? Um, and she was super excited about it. And then another good friend of mine who's a – a cellist and singer songwriter in New York saw it and posted on Facebook that it had punched her in the feels. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh gosh, now I really have to see this movie. And so I convinced the other fine ladies who are near me here in Arizona right now to co- to go to the theater and see it with me. And, um, yeah, I, I wasn't actually exactly sure what to expect. And in fact, I watched a different trailer later that gave a very different feeling. Yeah, and that, so that's something I was going to ask because I didn't see any of the trailers. So hmm. I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't really know anything about it until we got a screener and we watched it. And I was uh, like, oh, oh, when was that? How long ago was this that? This was a couple of weeks ago. So I watched oh, it for okay. a second time with some of my family members over the holidays <laughs> And, and I was just like, you know, we should talk about this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, Did you already talk to other people about it too? Um, a little bit here and there. Like I've talked with a couple of friends who, you know, have gone to see it and some who have seen it multiple times. Um, yeah. And, and it's interesting to sort of see different reactions, especially from like millennials. Like we, we watched it with a couple hmm. of people at our house and there's one girl <laughs> in the middle of it. She just got up. She's like, eh. It's not my thing. And she left. <laughs> and we were like, all wow. right. <laughs> like, so it was just really, really interesting. Um, and I think there's been a yeah. big sort of, uh, just a big array, you know, a big, a, a very, the, the pendulum swings, I think, with what people will think of this, which I think is true of most any, um, any film worth remembering, you know? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So... I wanted I wanted to talk about it um, also from so obviously there are the emotional things in it that you know make your heart hurt and then make you think about things you don't want to think about or whatever um, you know like, mm-hmm. yeah um, but what I what I thought was so interesting and what I sort of wanted to talk about a little bit was was the singing itself um, oh yeah I I noticed in the beginning like. So we, we open up on this great, you know, this, this awesome set piece, which I don't even know how they did it. How do you freaking shut down the on-ramp to the 405? I don't know how you do that. I don't know when you do that during the day. I don't know when you do that, but they did. I know. That was awesome. But my, my issue... Could it have been simulated? Could it have been CGI? I don't think so. I don't think it was. I mean, okay. I could be totally wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that was, that that was, um, that was a live, um recording that was done pretty sure but here's my big beef yeah (laughs) because i really enjoyed this movie i imagine that it's going to win best picture for you know multiple reasons but the most of which are that the academy loves to pat itself on the back so anything that has to do with um la and making movies 
Like, uh-huh. that's like, yes, yes, let's celebrate this and make it best picture. And then people <laughs> will go to the movies more and then they will love us. Oh, um, makes sense. But, um, but I, I loved, I love that it just sort of went for it in the very beginning. It just went for it. But the thing that drove me crazy was that the audio was clearly from a studio and the voices were clearly auto-tuned. Um, but what's funny uh, is that I, I oh. talked to some friends and they didn't notice it. Like, they're just like, oh, and I feel like this is, this is kind of a travesty. I feel like we are coming to a point in our like development as a society, in our development of the voice that we are used to hearing things electronically um, altered. And the voices, it was especially true in the opening number and the number with the girls in the apartment. There was so much yeah. auto-tune that I was just like, you guys, like it takes away all feeling of authenticity. And maybe that doesn't matter, you know? Maybe mm. it's not really about authenticity. Maybe it's about, um, you know, the heightened experience because clearly... You know, I mean, you've got these crane shots and the girls flowing dresses and whatever. Like, I mean, there's something fantastical about that anyway. And so maybe it doesn't matter. But I just really, really wanted to hear actual voices and to hear the, you know, the beauty of a line and also the imperfection because it's never going to be perfect. But Mm -hmm. the auto-tuning makes it so that it's essentially perfect. And that's, I think, going back to what you mentioned about, you know, being a cross between singing in the rain and High School Musical, High School Musical, or um, what was that show? Glee, that everyone loves. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, also a lot of, you know, that, that sort of fine-tuning, but fine-tuning to the point of, um, like, robotic almost. And Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, back in the day when they used to make a lot more musicals in Hollywood... I'm pretty sure that those were all studio recordings totally, too. Totally. You know, that then the person may have been singing on screen as well, but it was piped over, you know? And Absolutely. so it was like, you only heard the studio version, but it seemed very realistic because it was without auto-tune and it was, well, not, not in all cases, but in many cases it was the same person singing. And so their mannerisms and their sort of, you know, the way, how long they hold notes and the way they move their mouth and all that stuff looks like it, it matches. Yeah. You know? Um, but I don't know how they could have done the scene. Um, the freeway scene, the opening scene without, uh, yes. I mean, I think the, the doing it in the studio thing is normal. It's the auto tune thing. That's new, right. That's yeah, kind of I mean, I guess spoiling me, us. Yeah. I guess for me, it's like, why? I mean, sure. You're going to have to make that recording in a studio for two reasons, right? One, because it's not physically possible to dance like that and sing at the same time without having some kind of, you know, something to help you a little bit. Like, I think even Broadway performances, they have, you know, a lot of things that are pre-recorded sort of mixed in with the live recording um, or the, yeah. the live performance. Um, but, right, a certain kind of dance just doesn't allow you to sing in a way that you can really breathe and support a sound, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But the other thing is like, so how big for me, I'm like, how big was this studio? Couldn't you have like gone into a sound stage and just recorded it there? I don't understand why, because I'm listening to the music and it's like this little tiny box in an open air place. And it's like this little squished sound. 
And I just, mm. and I, I think the reason why I feel so strong, well, I mean, I feel strongly about it because I have really strong feelings about autotune and about, what is it, Melodone or some Melodyne? I can't remember. There's some other thing. You know, it's like, <sighs> it's like the generic form. It sounds of like methadone. <laughs> that's, what that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Watch, I'm like totally off. So. <laughs> the generic of autotune, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's the generic it's like of autotune. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I just get really, I get really frustrated when I see something that hits on so many levels, you know, emotionally, um, like visually, it was just stunning. You know, these, these wonderfully, um, dramatic and imaginative scenes, you know, when they go to the observatory and they, they fly up mm. into the sky mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I yes. cried on that, at that scene. It's like, yes. Well, because what I love is that this, and, and this is the same director who did um, the one with the drummer, the guy, the percussionist. Oh, Birdman. Yeah, no, no. Um, oh, no, oh um, Whiplash. Yes, thank you. Yes, this is the same guy who did Whiplash. And the, you know, apparently, from what I understand, they he originally had sort of made the role that... Um, Who's the guy we all love? The attractive man in this movie. Ryan Gosling. Thank you. <laughs> Ryan <Rachel>. Gosling. <laughs> I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> Ryan Gosling. Um, apparently it was it was written for the, the the kid who was in Whiplash, the um the actor. And which is interesting because the second time I watched it, I'd learned that and I sort of could hear him say those lines and sort of see him in it, but he's not nearly as um, to, in my estimation, Charming. I feel like he's not as, uh, what? Charming? Yes. <laughs> Charming. That's a good, yeah. Charming or, but even, well, but Ryan Gosling in this role, I didn't find him to be particularly charming as much as he was, um, tortured. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Aren't those you close? Your own <laughs> Aren't those close? I mean, charming and tortured. We kind of get that mixed up. <laughs> Artists. It's the, you know, different hey, you sides know. of the same yeah, coin. Exactly. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yep. Um, <laughs> because he's, he, his character is very, um, yeah, I mean, tort, well, conflicted, you know, there's, there's, um, yeah, I guess conflicted, but also, um, but he listens. I, and I feel like the, that other actor um isn't as good at listening and maybe just doesn't have as much experience in sort of the romantic dramatic roles, the way that Ryan Gosling has. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but yeah, there was a sense of um, like, there's a lot of interplay between he and Emma Stone where there was just a lot of listening where they talked to each other in a, in a way that felt very, very real. Yeah. And, and, we we have the script because they sent us the script as well, um, WGA and and I was looking it over um, a couple of nights ago and I and I was thinking about it and I was like you know it would be so easy for her character to be a complete victim like to just come across as feeling sorry for herself and being just kind of wimpy. But she mm. never was. And I attribute that to her, like as an actor, like that's, that was, yeah. th- those were specific choices um, that she made in order to, 
you know, to, to be the person that maybe we all want to be in those situations, which do happen to us all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I thought she was, she was amazing. I thought Emma Stone's performance was absolutely amazing. And even the, the scenes where she was auditioning. Um, <laughs> this was so great. Oh my right? gosh. Like when she's on the phone and she's, <laughs> and she's crying or whatever. And then there's like someone in the window behind her and they're like, eh. Oh, just take a message. And they totally interrupt. And she's just like sitting there. Wait, they, tears. Tell, they interrupt her. And then they say, Oh, it'll just be two minutes. You know what I mean? So it's like, not only, not only did they totally ruin your vibe, but then they say like, and you are only worth this much more time. So, you know, just get ready to be kicked out the door, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, yeah that that whole that whole sequence like I couldn't actually sit still for it. I actually had to get up and walk around and like do other things while it was happening because it was just too painful for me to watch. Because you know my first like two three years in LA, that was my life. Like that's what I was doing. I was you know taking these classes. I lived with other actors. I you know was auditioning for things and like it that that was so so real. <laughs> like, yeah. It's that process of, you know, getting yourself into that headspace, going into a room, you know, doing a read and then having them, <laughs> having them just like, you know, pee all over it, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. And, and you just, and you keep going because you have to. Well, it's interesting. I think that as opera singers, we're so used to having an appointment time and, going in and sort of getting an, at least one aria, like a full aria, which is True. not short, you know, yes. like yeah. someone will listen to you for at least three minutes. And it always, it's sort of, when I learned about the way that music theater auditions are done and I don't, I have basically no experience with, um, with just straight acting auditions, but mm-hmm. you know, they, they stand in line for hours often you know, yeah. and then they're, they're, they're finally yeah. seen and, um, and then they get to sing 16 bars or something. And I'm just like, what? Like, <laughs> like yeah. even if they don't want to hire me, like, I don't want to waste my entire day, you know, to sing 16 bars or some, I don't know. For me, it's just very insulting to the art form, like, and to the artist, you know, if you've prepared and you bring something and they just make you sort of stand, stand there and then, no, you're right. It is for non, non-union people and it's not so bad for the union people. But, um, yeah, it's you know, just, but even the union people have to do 16 and 32 bar cuts, but I'll tell you actually in those auditions that I've done, like I actually kind of prefer it because how often when someone opens their mouth to sing, how long does it take you to really know if they've got something? Uh, two seconds. Yeah. It doesn't take <laughs> long at all. And how painful is it? <laughs> When you're like, I've got to sit in this chair for two more minutes with a smile on my face, listening to whatever is yeah. happening. I mean, when you're on the other side of the table, you know, you, um, it, that's a, that's a really interesting experience. That's something that, that I experienced for the first time, you know, doing the musical that we did. It w- was listening to people and just having oh, that yeah. experience and, you know, giving people enough time to sing an entire song, but because the thing is, I feel like in musical theater, they aren't looking for stamina as yeah. much as they're looking for uh, a pleasant and an appropriate sound. In, yeah. Like something something that will fit the style 
Um, and I think it's this idea that, well, you can, if, if, if someone can belt, you know, a high F, like, then okay, then they're okay. I don't know. No, I think you're right. Well, and in the case that in the case that there is something difficult, I mean, not everyone can belt a high F, but if if they do have something, they want to hear the song and they want to hear that part of the song, you know, they want to just narrow it down to that. But whereas with, with opera, they are sort of listening to, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is the acting, but it is about stamina and it's about, can this can, is this voice sustainable? Is this yeah. voice healthy? It's and the long, can it... Yeah, it's the long game. It's like, okay, we're going to listen. And and you can tell within a few moments, right, about the quality of a person's sound. Yeah. But you can't necessarily tell about their longevity or their stamina. Listening. Or their entire range. Sure. Yeah. Because they could, have, they could be have, have a really easy, you know, certain part of their range and then another part will have holes in it, you know, so you kind of have to hear the whole thing or I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. One piece in, so in La La Land that was, um, that I thought was really, really well done as far as music goes, the scene, uh, is it, it sort of the, the, the turn of between the first and the second act? I can't remember, but it's, it's, it's somewhere in the middle <laughs> where, <laughs> where they're sitting at the piano in his apartment and they start singing yeah. a song to each other. Of stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's lovely. It is. Um, but what's what I like? Is it that one that they sing to each other? I thought so. Maybe it is. I can't remember. Um, I'm I'm gonna say okay. Yes, it was. It probably was. So, <laughs> but. I loved that scene because I'm fairly certain, I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain that that was not dubbed. Like they may have sweetened a couple of moments, mm-hmm. but the even just how long the breaths were with mm-hmm. watching their mouths and like how, you know, hollow or not hollow the acoustic was in the space in the room like how much you could sort of hear you know it's not just that silence that you hear between breaths when you know something was done in a studio there's actual you know it's live versus you know versus canned and Mm -hmm. and it was so much more intimate I felt like because because of that Um, yeah 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 it felt real yeah, and I guess that's what I would have loved to have heard more in the movie because, but I think it's a challenge because um, neither of them are, you know, first and foremost singers, you know, neither mm-hmm. um, Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling. And and so it's hard to have that kind of openness in your voice when you're singing something that is more dynamic because that was a very quiet song and I think it's easier to kind of lock down and to just sort of put your voice into a space where it's small and and um, controllable, which I think is mm. really important when when it isn't your sort of first acts. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually what you thought of Emma Stone's voice. Um, I thought it was a lovely voice that isn't you know super trained 
it's mm-hmm. it's just a nice you know she's she sings with a lot of abandon you know and it's very raw mm-hmm. and i think that that is beautiful it's especially beautiful in her you know her sort of like final number where she's uh, it's such uh, the, the rhymes in that in that song were so great talking about her aunt who lived in paris and and mm-hmm. you know she said she something with her liquor and died with a flicker um but she said like when she she told that story like i would she jumped into the sun <clears throat> excuse me she jumped into the sun and she said you know i spent spent a month wheezing but said and said i would do it again Mm-hmm. And that I feel like is a theme. Oh, see, now I'm going to get emotional. That I think. <laughs> that I think is the theme of the entire movie. Um, it's this idea of being willing to um, to do something that is both hard but also kind of important in some way. I mean, I don't know why jumping in a river would be important <laughs> other than, um, other than, you know, that, that sort of self-expressive journey that I think we all go on. And, yeah. and but I loved that sentiment of, and then she said, but I would do it again. You know, I wouldn't, even though you, you spent all this time recuperating from it, like the, that sort of bohemian idea of, um, you know, being willing to suffer i don't know in order to experience something real yeah Um, it's living with abandon mm -hmm. right and it's like um one of my favorite movies of all time strictly ballroom from the lines from that yeah (laughs) another guy who likes to do musicals baz lerman who did strictly yeah yeah Uh uh-huh oh my goodness i love that movie um but yeah they say it's um Fran, Franny, Fran Japani. <laughs> Franny, um, which is she... so dowdy in the beginning, right? Oh, man. Oh, well, yeah. And she comes from this this background of, of flamenco dancing and mm. this grandmother who's, you know, feel the rhythm. Like she's like, yeah. it's inside, you know, and like <laughs> I this love real that. feeling of, right? <laughs> yeah. And But she said that um, a life lived in fear is a, is a half-lived life. Yeah. So I think that's what jumping in the sun is all about. It's about experiencing something new and with abandon and you don't know what the consequences will be necessarily, but it's that willingness to, to venture forth and to take a risk. Um, yeah. And with something as literally as jumping into a river or artistically sort of blazing new trails or, yeah, you know, doing things that you that you didn't know that you could or that you were afraid to try, but just going there. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, you said you said it's living with abandon, but is it living with abandon or is that actually living with intention? Like, is that an actual a realization for her? You know, I mean, I'm not going to jump into the sand. That's not something that I need. Like, you know, we could go there in the summer. We could go there in the summer, right? It would be be different. It wouldn't be February. No, I don't know. Oh, man, that was cold. Oh, it was so cold. (laughs) No. And I lost my jacket. 
um, oh, I know. I, I didn't ever get it back. So sad. Oh, anyway, man. yeah, well, it happens. But it's. But I guess that's 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 my question. Is is this idea of, you know, jumping into the river and and spending a month wheezing, but saying I would do it again? Is that living with intention? Because you're making a decision knowing that there's going to be an adverse outcome, but you make it anyway because you know that you must, like because it's a part of your journey. Um, yeah, I think the living with abandon, I think you're abandoning fear. Hmm. You're abandoning inhibition. You're abandoning the rules or what other people have done before, and you're really following what's inside of you. Only. See, that's interesting. That takes a I guess lot of I, courage. Yeah, absolutely. I, the way that you describe that, absolutely. I guess when I think of abandon, I think of not thinking about consequences and not thinking about how um, how it will affect other people. I guess that's what I think of when I think of abandon. I love you so much, Rachel. Why? Why? <laughs> well, well, because of course I I know... I know you and I know that, that way of thinking, I know what that's couched in. And I think that it's wonderful. And I, and I love it about you. Um, I think that artists don't always think about the way that their actions affect other people. And I think that I, I understand what you're saying. And I think that is another, that definitely is one of the, one of the definitions of living with abandon. Hmm. Um, but, but no, I love your sense of, your sense of responsibility and duty and yeah. And your, your altruism, your care for others, <laughs> it just doesn't always enter the picture for some people, for many people, you know, who would fling themselves into the Seine. Um, you know, I would walk, see, here's what I would do. <laughs> I'd find that little path that you can go down to the water and yeah. I'd put my feet in. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I would put my feet in the sand and I would sit there and I'd probably bring my journal and I'd write and I would think in that space. And then I would wash my feet off and put my shoes back on. You know, like, I like I would yeah. be happy to, like, go and experience it. But for me, that kind of complete, like, just jumping in, like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm going to look in, I'm going to look inside and I'm going to see, like, oh, there's a rock that I could hit my head on. You know, maybe I'll squish a fish. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, yes. So, yes. Can I ask you a very loaded question then? Oh, dear. Oh, that dear. brings it back to La La Land. Yeah, yes, we need to. So, what, I mean, who knows what, what Emma Stone's future husband, her at the husband at the end of the movie, who knows what his profession is? I don't. I don't think that it was ever explained or I don't think anything was said about it. Um, she seemed to be more of the career person in the relationship because she came home and he had been, he looked kind of like he was in jammies or whatever. And he had been kind of with their child. Hmm. But the question is, can two artists whose hearts urge them to live with abandon be partnered? Because in this movie, you know, this connection that they found with each other and sort of the way that they believed in each other because they were both sort of crazy, you know, artists are crazy. Yeah. They have, yeah. they have new ideas and they want to do things that haven't been done before. Is it possible for, for two artists 
to end up together and to be able to both pursue their craft fully. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I do know that I married an artist and that it's, it's interesting. Like we have this board in our house that people come and they write their dreams on and every year it fills up. Right. And then at the end of the year we erase it and we just, we just erased it. And, and he wrote up his dream and he said that Rachel's dreams will be able to come true as much as mine have and more. And so that's his dream for this year. And that was, wow. yeah, yeah, that really was very touching. Um, uh, because largely, you know, the past 10 years that we've been married, much of, of what, um, you know, why we're here, why, and all of that is, is because this is where he needs to be. And, you know, in the last five or so years, I've sort of had to stick my neck out a little bit, at least what felt like to me and, and, and really, you know, pursue things more on a, you know, for me personally, as a performer, as a singer, and like, I'll never forget when I, when I first decided to, um, you know, take a job that took me out of the state for two months. And I remember in that first rehearsal, getting up and, you know, working on this scene and just feeling my entire body just exhale, maybe for the first time in years, because Mm -hmm. I, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't want, I hadn't wanted to need it that much. Does that make sense? Hmm. And and yes. And I think that that's what this, you know, this film and, and films like it, um, sort of bring up and bubble and, and churn in, in the artist soul (laughs) is, Mm -hmm. is feeling a frustration uh, because of the level of need that exists and just is. Um, mm. And, you know, that, that scene where, where Sebastian and, um, oh, shoot, what's Emma Stone's character? Mia. Mia, yeah. Sebastian and Mia are, you know, saying goodbye to each other while at the Griffith Observatory again, because that's sort of their spot. I love that spot. I love that spot too. It's a great, it's a beautiful spot. Mm. it's lovely those trees yeah yeah Yeah. I take I take almost everybody who comes to visit we always go to Griff's Observatory because you know it's it is it's great there's not much to observe now because there's so much light pollution but oh um, right but it's a a lovely a lovely place and if you go right after it rains that's when to go to the Griff's Observatory because um you know, all of the pollution has been caught in the droplets and, and has been squished to the ground. So you can see, you know, all the way to the ocean. It's really beautiful. Mm. But, um, you know, when, when they sort of say like, I have to do my own thing and we have to, and you have to do your thing and you have to ride this and you have to really make sure that you, you give it all you've got. Um, and then, you know, and we'll see what happens. And, and yeah, I do think that there's, there's such truth to that. There's, and, you know, and, and, and the acknowledgement of, you know, I'm always going to love you. I always am. And I like that it's not too dram- I mean, it's dramatic, but it's not like over the top, like, I can't live without you, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's not, it's, yeah. it's not that. It's like, no, we'll, we'll keep going. And, 
and you know you get to the end of the film you know where and there's so many references you know you've got singing in the rain in the beginning with the sort of the light post and you know Mm -hmm. that beautiful one-shot scene of them dancing where Mm -hmm. i mean i don't even at the sunset and i don't know if that was a real sunset i don't know maybe it was because they were up i don't know but um it looked really real yeah it did. i felt like i was there Yeah. yeah yeah but it was it was um yeah and if it was done all in one shot uh, which it was, I think. And if it was at sunset like that, it was really just exquisite. And mm-hmm. but in the end, you know, when there you have sort of the, the Casablanca references, you know, she's mm-hmm. even sitting in the same place, I think, that um, uh, Bergman, Imar Bergman was sitting in in Casablanca um, with a very similar look on her face. Her hair mm-hmm. was even somewhat similar to that. And and. I just loved the um, the way that they showed, you know, he played what he saw, even though you couldn't hear him. You know, he starts their sort of love theme, mm-hmm. but he goes into his own, right, experience of what their life would have been or could have been um, had, had he, and perhaps that he would have wanted. Hmm. and yeah you know he wouldn't he wouldn't have had sebs but he would have had her and and maybe he would have rather had that i don't know i guess it's a little ambiguous what do you think well so it was his was it his his sort of dream it was what it was what he was playing yeah is that what you're saying like he was yeah, he used music the way that any artist, when when it's real, when they're uh-huh. really, you know, to to play what and who you are and what you want and and what you dream, I think, and yeah. Well, it was interesting because it, like you say, it wasn't it wasn't super dramatic, um, and I thought it was interesting. <clears throat> it showed him walking to Seb's and he walked by a big poster of her, but he didn't even look at it. And so that yeah, makes you think, too. right. That makes you think he probably walks by it every day and knows exactly what she's done with her life, you know, even though they haven't stayed in touch. Um, and then of course, when she, when they get there and she sees that he used the exact logo that she had drawn, yeah. you know? Um, so there's sort of those little hints at, you know, sort of it's gone but not forgotten kind of yeah, thing. It's the like, people who make an imprint on your life and it doesn't matter what you do or where you go because they're always there. Yeah. Well, and I felt like I actually didn't even when I was watching it, I didn't I didn't get the fact that I thought it was her her being swept away in this music and going back and then sort of the you choose your own ending kind of, you know, going through what, what might've been exactly. Um, and, uh, interesting. I totally thought it was his vision because, well, yeah. Tell it, me why. It, well, because, you know, he looks out, he sees her sitting there. He takes a breath. He says, welcome to Seb's, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to play and he plays the theme. And then we stay focused on him and go into his dream. Hmm. And then when we come back, it's back on him again. 
Hmm. And then, and then she, you know, she can't take it. Or maybe, maybe it's an interesting, I, I find it fascinating that you feel it was from her perspective because maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is that it is both of theirs and they both had this experience and they both knew that it could have been that life as well. Possibly. I mean, I feel like he was, she was always a little bit more willing than he was. Yes. Well, and that's why I think he relives all of those moments and he's like, I'm going to be there at your play. I'm going to be in the front row. I'm going to make sure that it's a full house. Yeah. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to, you know, when you have that audition, I'm going to not just be outside the door, but I'm going to fly to Paris with you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do this and that and the other. And, you know, it's it's the fulfillment of what every girl, and, and this is why I hate romantic comedies, you know, it's porn for women. Like, <laughs> like you know, it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the dream that, that it just isn't realistic. It's not, yeah. it isn't possible for, um, at least, I mean, let me rephrase that. It isn't possible at the same time. Like you have to take turns and there has to be a give and take just like there is in any marriage, just like there is in any relationship. There has to be, um, there has, you know, there's times and seasons for things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. A couple thoughts came to my mind when, during this sort of flashback to choose your own adventure, the alternate ending. Um, one was that it was sort of, well, actually the first thing was, um, thinking to myself as they were really connecting on a soul level as artists and really supporting each other and each other's dreams and really seeing each other, you know, I thought to myself, is there room in that relationship for children to even be a part of the equation? Hmm. Like when two people are so, so into, their vision of, of what they can create as artists and, and supporting each other in that. Um, and then of course the next scene that popped up was her with this enormous baby bump that was like twins or triplets or something like, do you know what I'm talking about? And it was super cute. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Totally porn for women. (laughs) Cause I was just like, Oh, they just hit all of the nails on the head, ducks in a row all the way down. Um, but uh, it rem- it made me think a little bit about sort of because revisiting or you know f- stumbling upon him and 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 therefore sort of revisiting him in her life and the memories she had of him and the impact that he had on her and all this it was sort of like her life flashed before her eyes mm-hmm. and it was it was almost like you know part of part of the grief cycle it was sort mm-hmm. of like being able to allow her heart and her mind to imagine what could have been was really, really healthy and important closure in a way to be able to say, to be able to allow yourself to go there, you know, if not physically, then at least mentally and emotionally, and then be able to come back to reality and say, yeah, I don't know. It's like for me, it just it it sort of had this. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't terribly sad. I mean, in a no, way, yeah. Because yeah, but right. Because the way that they sort of, the way that the vision came across was like, look what might have been, and how beautiful it might have been, but 
we still have our dreams, you know, and we still, we're still, we, we, we are still who we are and we're still beautiful as individuals, you know, and even though this didn't happen in reality, it's beautiful that we connected when we did at the level we did, even if it didn't go beyond that. And sort of, it was sort of like a, like an homage to, to their connection and not necessarily what they ended up creating together, but the power of their creative energy together. Hmm. Does that make sense? Did I just ramble on and it didn't make any sense? No, 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 no. I, it does make sense. I'm, I'm just thinking. <laughs> no, no, it totally made sense. Um, it's the acknowledgement. I, I guess it's sort of, it really is the combination of the dream and the reality. It's, and and it is, you know, tipping your hat sort of to to the relationship that could have been and and isn't or wasn't because you know exactly that 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 you know one of them had to give up on their dreams in order to be together and this way they were able to both keep their dreams and and still never sour the love that they had for each other um by you know, by by one person sacrificing more than they than they actually could handle, you know, because um, yeah. that artistic temperament, right? It's yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what? What were you gonna say? Something else? No, no. What What broke my heart was him overhearing her talking to her mom on the phone, and then deciding that he needed a steady job because of something that he interpreted that was not even a, a direct conversation between the two of them. And so he ends up in this, oh, I just thought it was so well done. And then the photo shoot. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> but, bite your you lip. Know, just keep your white lip. That's great. Yeah. Play something. Missing, penis. Play something. Right. He's missing her opening night. Her and only he night. Is... Her only night. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh because you can't so, run a theater. I mean, that was a pretty nice, like, 100-seat theater, 99-seat theater. Uh, and yep, what that's about. And, yeah, it's a uh, – and renting that kind of a space, you know, because you have to – you have to rent the space. You have to rent the person who's going to be there to help run it. And you probably have a lighting designer, maybe. You know, you've got – you know, all of those things. Like, that's probably – I don't know, maybe – Five hundred to a thousand dollars for, for hmm. that. I thought it was going to be more. No, not for. I mean, it was a pretty nice one. Like you can you can get a space like that for, you know, and it's. I mean, it was a Thursday, so it wasn't on the weekend. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. and you do that as an actor to hopefully encourage more people to come to your show who are actually in the industry, um, because casting directors like you know during the week in the evenings will sometimes go to people's shows or. Um, attend a class that someone's paid them to attend, you know, whatever, um, in order to, to hear them botch a monologue <laughs> or, or do a really crappy scene, you know, where, you know, someone's on a hospital bed. I, um, <laughs> you know, like, uh, but, but it's, uh, yeah, so I, I would imagine it would be, you know, somewhere in that range, but if she's, mm -hmm. you know, making, ten dollars eleven dollars an hour as a barista yeah and then and 
hasn't been doing that for the last, you know, several weeks because she had to prepare for her show. Mm-hmm. You know, she, you saw her selling all of her furniture on like eBay or whatever, like trying, you know, throwing, oh. it, throwing everything at it. And that's what you I, do, you know, yeah. like if, it, yeah. if it's a part of you and, and that scene, oh man, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but that, <laughs> that scene where she, you know, wh- where they're talking in front of her house. And I, I also love that. Did you, didn't you love how there wasn't like, yeah, I'll text you, you know, <laughs> or like how it was. Um, he drove he, to Boulder City. He listened. He oh, listened. Wait. And he just from an... You know, she... Wait, which part? Which part are you talking about? Yeah, I'm talking about the same part you are. Oh, okay. But in an earlier conversation, she just mentions that she's... um, What is she? The house across across from the library. Just like an offhand comment. He remembers that comment. And he listens to what she says. And then he... So he's able to find her because of that. But I I thought it was part of her play, her one-woman play. Because it was about her, it was like autobiographical, right? About the uh-huh, girl from Yeah, City. about being in Boulder City. Yeah, that's true. But she said in an earlier comment in one of their first conversations, she uh, said, uh, you know, I, I lived at the house across from the library and that's where I would go. And, and you know, my aunt took me there or whatever. I can't remember. You know, we'd be oh, this place. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, just mm-hmm. sort of an off comment, just like a little mm-hmm. thing. But he listened. Yeah. And again, porn for women. Um, oh my gosh (laughs) I know right um (sighs) and and then but you know she's when she said and this is actually something that I thought was really interesting that deviated a little bit um different in the script you know she she shares that line that I think every every person thinks about um when she said sorry I'm trying to find it in the script Oh, <laughs> but she says, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I just can't do it. You know, maybe, maybe I'm just not good enough. And oh, yeah. she's like, cause I go into these auditions and there's all this, this I love it. And she says, um, you know, okay. So the scene, he says, so you're happy here. Yeah, I'm happier. You know, well, why won't you come? I told you, I don't buy it because it's another audition. I've been to hundreds of auditions do you want to know what happens either they interrupt me because someone ordered a sandwich or they cut me off after two seconds or i'm crying and they start laughing or i'm one of a hundred and in the script it says or i'm one of a hundred lookalikes in the waiting room who never had a chance and she changes that you know Mm, in in mm -hmm. the actual and i don't know if that was you know her choice as the actor and they're like sure emma stone do whatever you want um or if that was a director choice or whatever but you know she says or i'm you know or there's a hundred other girls who look like me but prettier you know and Mm -hmm. i I loved that sort of the quirky change that made it about her and made it personal you know Mm because when you say a hundred lookalikes like that sounds like a writer said it that doesn't sound like a person um Mm -hmm. and but i love i love that you know i love that idea because it's so true (laughs) like you go into these auditions and you're like everybody looks like me but prettier (laughs) 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 or like she's got better hair you know and like that comparison that you know the death of yeah well Um, after that one audition when she had the coffee spilled on her white shirt she got into the elevator and on either side of her was another redhead wearing a white shirt white shirt yeah it was (laughs) that's what yeah exactly and that happens all the time and 
you know, it's like, well, what makes you different? You know, and in LA, it's like, well, you know, how do you stand out? And it's like, I don't know, man, I look like another one of these ingenues, you know, I look like another, I don't know what does, you know, I'm a really good actor that there, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, um, just gotta give me a chance. You just gotta listen. Yeah. But that's sort of what this was all about. Right. It's like, you know, she yeah. needed a chance, but yeah, I, I loved, I loved what, what these characters were able to give each other creatively and, mm. and how they took that. And it, you know, was an imprint that, that sort of went throughout their lives and they carry that person and those experiences with them. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I, did, what did you think of the scene at the, when she, when he surprised her with dinner and they were in their apartment eating and, and, uh, he was talking about how he was going to be on tour for the next few years or indefinitely or whatever. And, and she kind of was like, is this even what you want to do? And it turned into, I mean, I felt like it was a very realistic scene between between partners or spouses or whatever, um, of sort of like a real breakdown in communication between people who genuinely love and care about each other. And, um, it just tore my heart. (laughs) I was like, Oh gosh, because he, he very clearly didn't want to be part of that band. And, and, uh, you know, it was sort of like, what's the way, what, what are they, um, what's the word? What's, Oh, um, being a sellout, I guess. Cause he was such a, an advocate for like preserving jazz as, you know, as a pure art form. And, um, and then, yeah, he agreed to be part of this band so that he could have the steady paycheck, which was something she never asked him to do. You know, it was something he overheard on a phone conversation that made him feel a certain way that made him feel like he needed to act, you know, or take action in an, in a certain way, it was never a conversation that they had between them. And then of course he's defending this decision because he feels like, you know, the way that he interpreted her conversation with her mom, he felt like she may as well have just said to his face, you need to get a steady job, but she never said that, Mm -hmm. you know? And it just broke my heart because, you know, here are two people who I think, I feel like if they could have communicated a little bit better and more openly, maybe things would have gone differently. I don't know. I mean, obviously there had to be, there had to be a rift. There had to, I mean, that is, that is realistic. Um, well, I think that's what makes that end montage so heart wrenching and at the same time, so beautiful um, because it's this idea that I screwed up this time, this time, and this time. And if I had been, you know, I, I would have done something differently, you know, like if I could have done it again, I I would, I would have do, I would do it differently. Um, and, and yet I think again, back to that theme of, you know, I did this crazy thing, but I would do it again. I think it's talking about love I mean, as cliche Mm. as that might sound, it's, I, (laughs) right. I, I, I would do it again. I wouldn't change it. I would, because the experiences and the person that it makes you and the empathy that you develop and the, 
you know, learning about how to negotiate relationships that you learn through that experience or those experiences um, make you a more wholehearted human. Yeah. Um, and, <sighs> but I think you're right that, like, had they been able to really listen to each other instead of, you know, make assumptions, I mean, assumptions are one of the, one of the biggest killers of any relationship. Uh-huh. And, and I think it's very easy to make assumptions, you know, because that's kind of what we do. We find patterns <laughs> as humans. Yeah. You know, that's a human yeah. thing to do is to yeah. jump to Well, and it was his own insecurity too, you know, of like, this is this girl I'm in love with and she's talking to her mom and she can't even tell her mom that I have a steady paycheck. And, you know, his own insecurity was And that's a very male talking. thing too. You know, I, at least in my experience, like I know a lot of men feel this need to provide and yet don't feel like they've been given the tools to understand how to do that. Mm. Um, and I mean, as a musician in America, holy cow. Uh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's very difficult to make enough money to survive. Like I've, I have a friend who's, um, a classical singer and, you know, he was telling me a couple of days ago, we were chatting and he was saying, yeah, I, I, you know, broke X amount of money last year, which is still not enough. You know, it's like less than what a teacher makes. And, Hmm. and yet he's doing really, you know, pretty well, um, for, you know, working regionally and, um, yeah, you know, his calendar's pretty full. Yeah, exactly. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I could Um, be wrong. Yeah, no, you probably do. Um, and he'll probably be a guest with us at some point. But, um, yeah. That'd be I, great. Yeah. But the thing is, it's like, and and yet you feel this pressure, you know, to, to provide. That's sort of the role. And we're in such a fuzzy, funny time in the world because, Ugh. you know, men and women's roles are so um, overlapping or um, in some ways sort of being taught to as being you know somewhat superfluous like you don't need this or that but I mean I I just feel like we all need each other like there's you know the the dynamics of of humanity require you know both things that are similar and things that are different and um yeah I think a lot of a lot of men really really struggle with that without realizing that I mean so much of of life is is not in what you what you have but it's it's who you are and and who you are together and time spent together that that makes it beautiful like yeah it can be a it can be a really liberating but also frightening thing to realize man i would rather be with this person living in a shoebox you know yeah yeah then you know but of course that's a romanticization as well probably right like I don't know. I'll I'll uh, I'll keep you posted on that one. <laughs> no, I um it's it's probably a subject for another podcast possibly, but I think it's time for a masculist remnant, uh, revolution, just like there was a feminist oh my gosh, totally. revolution. And um it's where men stop suppressing all their feelings and they feel their feelings and then we see what happens. Some crazy stuff going to go down. <laughs> Well, yeah, I I read a really great. Well, we you read it too, right? You read Man Interrupted, and yes, that's a really fantastic book. Sort of talking about you know why there needs to be that. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, we all need to to be heard. Somewhere I got the idea. I thought it was original. Dang. <laughs> we all get, yeah, right. The influences of all these various sources yeah. throughout our lives. I want to say one other thing though about yeah. about that that final moment on the park bench park bench up at Griffith mm-hmm. Observatory because. I don't know if it was as clear for you as it was for me, but it was like a very, the way that they made that moment was really clear that Emma Stone's character was not on the same page about this decision. Right. Mm -hmm. And she kind of wanted to say something. Mm -hmm. She kind of wanted to say something like, no, I want to stay together. Mm -hmm. No, let's try to work this out. You know, but she didn't, she didn't say it. Ah, moments like that. You know, because they're so, they really are so realistic. And mm-hmm. as the audience, you know, where you can see the, the full picture, you're just like, no, like, be honest, open up about your your true feelings, you know? And it's so this hard because, of course, this you is don't when I really wish I could have watched this movie in Harlem, you know? Because there's, it's like my Harry Potter experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, like, I don't. You so get him, much. Harry. <laughs> like, there was, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's great. Yes, audience commentary. Yes, yes. Cheerleading. It's yeah. it's awesome, man. And it doesn't happen everywhere. But when you when you find it, it's it's really special. That's right. It's like throwing out an amen or a hallelujah exactly. here and there. Exactly. You know? It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh such a good movie. Yeah, but wait, so did I I interrupted you. No, that was it. I mean, I just wanted to say that. It was, it was, that was also a heart wrenching moment for me and a communication breakdown when he kind of spearheaded this idea of let's go our own ways and we can, we can both have what we want. But really the truth was they wanted each other, but no one said that I was thinking it, I should have shouted it out, although it wouldn't have still wouldn't have done it. It's interesting. Like, yeah, they wanted each other, but like... Would they have truly been able to be happy together? Because would they have been able to fulfill, you know, fulfill that creative? And this goes back to your question earlier, like, can you be a fulfilled artist and happy in your relationship? Like, so you think he wouldn't have had subs then if they, if it had been the alternate ending, it wasn't his club. He was playing at it. I have to remember. You've seen it twice. I've only seen it once. He and you have the script. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I only read part of it. But like the <laughs> the end of the sequence of sort of the dream sequence, going back yeah. in time and putting himself into the place of being, um, being her partner. Um, at the end of it, they walk into the club together and he's sitting next to her and I think it's so interesting that like they're actually really cozy like unlike she and and her her actual partner who sort of just sat Mm -hmm. nicely and comfortably with each other but you know they were much cozier together yeah Um, and then but it wasn't his club that's right yeah and so what would the what would the outcome of his career have been if he had stayed with her I think what it was is that at the end he was essentially saying through his music that he would have given all of that up 
if they could have been together and that he was Ugh. sorry that he wasn't on the same page as her earlier. I think yeah, I think that may have been what it was. And that's why it gets us, you know, and yeah. that's why it, but maybe that's wrong. Oh that's my own whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yes, please, please continue. I want you to talk about, yes. Um, can, can you have, can you have your full, the full expression of your art and, partnership this is something i haven't figured out yet so why don't you just talk about that rachel (laughs) i don't know that i've figured it out um but i think that i'm 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 trying i mean i'm definitely trying to live it and it's definitely a challenge to to keep in perspective your needs and your wants like recognizing that like recognizing that I need to perform and that I need to pursue excellence as a performer and as a singer. Um, that's just a part of me. It's something that I've, that I've come to accept about myself and, and embrace about myself. Like this is a, this is a part of who I am, but it's only a part. And I think that maybe that's one of the challenges um, that we sort of face as artists is recognizing that it isn't everything. And that at the end of the day, you really do need to be a person, you know, before Mm -hmm. anything else you need to, you know, you need to recognize that human connection. And I mean, this is something that I, this is a realization that I came to a long time ago. I think we, we've probably talked about this before, but I mean, when my brother passed away, like, I had been in all of these shows and it was like, oh man, I am going to do the, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be all of these things. Da, 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 da. And then he passed away. And then it was like, oh, none of that matters. Mm. None of that matters at all. Hmm. Um, it matters in the sense that it's a part of my expression, but as far as like connecting to something that is real, like the only thing that is real and that is lasting are relationships. Like that to me is like, that's it. Like artistry, like, you know, whether you've painted a painting or you've danced or you have sung an aria or you were in this really great movie called La La Land, like eventually all of those things uh, will either go away or fade or, you know, become, you know, become an archive somewhere. But the experiences and that human connection that you develop and that you maintain, that's what, that's what really matters. So as far as like artistic fulfillment, that for me is what makes like, it's sort of the greasing of the human wheel for me, like it's what helps propel me to have communication that's interesting and, mm. you know, introspective and, um, and real, but it isn't, yeah. but it isn't the thing itself. It's the vehicle for it. Yeah. So it has a place. It just isn't the whole pie, you know, it's an ingredient. <laughs> what, any final thoughts? What's your, what are your final thoughts? La La Land. La La Land. The idea of music and, I mean, I guess to talk a little bit more about the music in La La Land. Um, 
I thought they're I thought the way that they used music as a leitmotif was really, really beautiful. Like this sort of the through line of, of their theme and and it really showed in such a sort of loving way the way mm. that music is not just background. The way that mm. music is is the heartbeat. You know, it's mm. that it's that pulsation that that keeps you. And when you hear it, when you hear your peace, when you hear your, you know, when you hear your love, like what, what that feels like and what that does to you mm. and how it brings you back or it takes you there or, um, you know, propels you forward or, you know, it, it, you know, it, what did she say? Touches you in the feels or something hits you. Punches. Punches you. <laughs> it's more violent. <laughs> It, yeah, it punches you in the feels. Yeah. And then you punch back and you say, forget it. I'm not going to feel that. I'm not going to think about that. And then and then you find yourself feeling it and thinking about it. And and so you have to talk about it, which is what we did. All right, lady. Well, I'm always cool. happy to talk to you. Yay. And I'm way. glad we got to discuss this movie. Yeah, that was good. It was good. Good convo.